Welcome to the 14th Annual Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards. The Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards celebrate the live art of the Omaha Metro. For 15 years, the nonprofit award show has recognized local musicians, stage performers, and visual artists. You know, uh, to me, the OAAs are uh, a crash course in learning to love our city. Public votes determine the nominees every year. Voting is now open through August 31st. I mean, it showcases and highlights just a fraction of the wonderfully talented artists, performers, and creators that this city has to offer. On this podcast, we dive deep into some of these artists' stories. May 29th, uh, I was shot at for skipping rocks in a river on unmarked uh, private property. Um, luckily, I wasn't killed, um, but I took a video of the guy wielding a gun at me, and I posted it on Instagram, and the post came alive with a lot of sentiment and deep thoughts. And while I was sifting through those comments, I realized that I could have been literally reading my obituary, you know, somewhere like, you were a beacon of love, um, you were an awesome dude. And then I got to thinking, like, wow, you know, May 30th, they probably would have had a hashtag in my name saying like Barber, hashtag Barber was the best basketball player I ever knew. <laughs> but uh, uh, that being said, I realized if I was murdered, um, I would have never uh, created the work or had the exhibits during that summer that got me uh, on the ballot and got me the award here today. So thank you for that. And lastly, I just want to thank the people who uh, send positive energy towards my way. And also I want to encourage the Omaha community to replace their urge to be violently silent with enough concern for another human being. Welcome to the Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards podcast. I'm Mark McGall, and today I'm joined by special guest Barber. Thanks for joining us. Oh man, thanks for having me. Most definitely. Most definitely. For those who don't know, uh, Barber is both a two-dimensional artist with paintings and drawings, uh, but also a performance artist. His two-dimensional work breaks free from conventional figurative painting into figurative abstraction, addressing the fluidity of personal personhood and the oneness of humanity. He sees this work as a contribution towards cultural shifts uh, that more individuals beyond race and gender into the dream society he wishes to live in, one free of social categorizing. His performance works are testimonies surrounding black bodies performing solo with the collective Propelled Animals. I like that name. I like that name. Thank you. Barber is a graduate of the University of Iowa. He is also a recipient of the 2020 USA Artist International Grant from Mid-Atlantic Art uh, Foundation, the Artist Relief Grant, and the 2019 MAP Fund. Or is it MAP Fund? Is yep, MAP Fund. Ma okay. Yeah. And the 2019 MAP Fund Grant grantee and the Stanley Grant Award for the University of Iowa, just to name a few. Quite, quite impressive. Uh, this year, he won three OEA awards for Outstanding Emerging Visual Artists, Outstanding 2D Artists, and Outstanding Group Show for 2018 Union for Contemporary Arts Fellow Exhibition. Uh, so again, con congratulations Thank on you. your accolades <laughs> and welcome, Barber. Um, and, and again, um, just, just, Sidebar, it's, it's nice seeing you again. Uh, we ran, ran to each other um, 
at the rally. Yeah, at the most rally. Recently, yeah. right here at the Malcolm X Memorial Foundation. Mm-hmm. And um, after looking at your your art, it's it's very um, evident that that the experience that you were living when I met you permeates through your art. Mm. Um, and it, it's funny because I I when I first saw you, I tried to pin my pin the tail on exactly where I saw you at and listening to your speech from the OEAAs reminded me that's that was the context in which mm. um, I, I met you. So. Um, I guess we can kind of start there yeah. as far as uh, the, the incident that you experienced. And again, the, the life that you live and how it informs your art. Um, this is just a microcosm of that. So you can kind of explain that experience. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to use uh, the OEAs as a platform um, uh, to, to speak my truth. Um, I When that moment came, I felt like I was, I, I was in a lineage of other uh, Black Americans who used the stage, who used the track and field, who used the Oscars or the you know, Grammys uh, as a as a way to uh, speak the truth of the culture or to, or to, or to bring or to bring light to an injustice. And so I felt it was within my right to do so, and I felt justified in doing so. So I just wanted to use that opportunity to talk to Omaha about Omaha, about somebody who, who represents them, who, who did something pretty crude. So I just wanted to blast that person, but also challenge Omaha to out people like that um, because those type of people, um, their power is blending in. So um, they do something, they perform some bigot, bigot tree or you know, some type of bigot act or whatever, and then they float right back into their community and then that community keep them keep them sheltered because everybody looked the same. Everybody's silent about that action. Mm-hmm. And so they feel empowered to do it again because they step out and they can easily step right back in. So it was that and that whole situation with Farron for with the woman um, tackling uh, a little boy and posting about it because he took money out of the tip jar. And she, you know, she 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 posted it like it was a trophy, mm-hmm. you know, and so many times. um, Situations like that, black bodies are used as trophy. I mean, you take uh, Ahmaud Arbery, for instance. You know, no offense to hunters, but it was that type of mentality. You know, the, you know those guys were hunters, and they went out and, and tracked and followed Ahmaud Arbery like he was a deer, and, and got the kill. And, and was so confident about it that their lawyer uh, sent the video of that kill <laughs> to the to the to the GB to the GBI. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you that confident that you want to submit a video, you know, you committing murder. You're that confident that you could easily slide right back into your community and face no justice and face no harm. Mm-hmm. And so um, that type of blending in, that type of silence from the community is what I wanted to address at the OEAs. I wanted to let them know that the shit old boy did was uncool. And, it's, and it was even uncooler about it is that you guys uh, still support them. Not 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 the people in the audience because that's probably most artists. as far as full of artists and you know artists think on a whole nother level. But I knew that saying so it would reach the right ears. Right. So right. and here we are talking about it now. So. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And it definitely resonated uh, both your speech and just the the sheer fact that what you experienced happened. Mm. And and I wonder is is this experience this type of experience something you you had in the past where where i i try to look you know on the internet and i couldn't mm-hmm. quite find 
where are you from? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of curious about the background. Yeah. You know, where, where are you from? What types of things have you seen growing up that has, you know, caused you to not only express these thoughts in art, but also to just feel brave enough to speak up mm-hmm. beyond just, you know, your, your medium of choice. Uh, so, yeah, again, where, where are you from? I'm from Detroit. I'm okay. From Detroit, okay. Born okay. and raised in Detroit, and then went down to Atlanta for about 10, 12 years and back to the Midwest. But, you know, I want to, that's my mom, man. You know, mm. my mom, Black Panther ish, you know what I'm saying? And she made sure we knew where we came from. We knew about our culture. We knew about, I, I knew about my leaders. She supplemented my education with uh, Black history. Mm-hmm. And so, like I told one lady, uh, a lawyer, actually, I made up my mind as a teenager that I would not die on my knees to to the hands or to the to the actions of some bigot. Mm. So when old boy got out of his truck and, and attacked me and I pushed him off of me, uh, he went into his truck and got his gun and pulled it out on me. It was nothing new to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew what was up. And yeah, I, th- I thought he was going to shoot, but... There's no fear in me because I've already played that out in my head so many times when it comes to a bigot. And I knew I was not going to give him the, the satisfaction of seeing any type of fear in me before mm-hmm. he pulled that trigger. I wanted him to know that I knew that he was that he was lame. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. you know, um, that was going to be the look on my face when he shoots. So, uh, so I was mentally and emotionally prepared for that moment. Um, and I'm glad that and I said this before, but I'll say it again. I'm glad that it happened um, to me and at this age. Um, and, and you, because if you take this, you take Ahmaud Arbery, you know, he was 25. And when you're 25, when you're young, you're thinking about muscle. You're thinking about proving yourself. Um, I was thinking with my head. I knew I didn't have to prove myself to this guy. I knew I could beat him. So I was not afraid of him. If I was afraid of him, uh, I probably would have tried to prove that I could beat him and that I would have gave him justification to shoot me. But because I didn't do any of that and I stood my ground, um, he had no justifications to shoot. And, and I knew that. And I, and I made sure he knew that I knew that. And, uh, and I knew the ballistics would be on my side. Now, did I think that the officers would go, out, go, at, go that far to do ballistics in this situation? No, I did mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if some miracle they did, I knew ballistics would be on my side. Right. So. Well, it's, it's definitely um, a beautiful thing that it didn't go that route for yeah, sure. as far as you being able to, to at least walk away uh, from that experience. And uh, speaking of walking away, I just want to think about the fearlessness, mm. you know, that, that you hold. And again, I'm trying to draw a parallel between how you live and, and your art mm. and, and looking at, you know what was the figurative abstraction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're definitely <laughs> fearless with your with your art. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Um, so I'm curious as to what what do you want to what do you want people to, to take away when they when they see your art? What what do you put into to that fearlessness? Uh, that that are your beautiful creations? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, it's a lot that I want people to take away from it. Um, you know, certain bodies I want to take something from it. Black people want to take something from it. But one one part of the art that I, I really get to speak on is the blackness of it. And and, and that's intentional mm-hmm. um, because, you know, there's a criteria 
that black artists uh, have to have to meet in order to get some type of uh, or get a look. You know, it has to define black culture. It has to uplift black culture or, you know, give you some type of history lesson. You know what I'm saying? Something in that nature. And I didn't want that in my work. I didn't want you to see my work and see any of that. Mm. So what I did was I put the black culture into the making. All these uh, so assemblages is like, and, and I could be wrong on this, but I think it's like really black culture, like Southern folk artists finding things and putting it together and making it work like that. That ingenuity, um, mm. what was called ghetto fabulous when I was growing up, you know, of using duct tape for everything or, you know, making things work that shouldn't work, using a flathead for a doorknob, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. that type of ingenuity, that type of going about life, that's the way I approach the making of my work. And that's the blackness that I want people to see. The other things like, you know, Martin Luther King or whatever the case, you know, conceptually that's in there. I don't need to, you know, talk about Martin Luther King, you know, what I need to do is live Martin Luther King, mm. the freedom to do what I want to do and how I want to do it. That's what the work is about. You know what I mean? That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Man, man. Let me just let that marinate for, for a second. Yeah, yeah, let that yeah. marinate. Yeah. Um, it's very powerful. And, and bringing up, you know, figures like Martin Luther King, um, I'm curious, what artists have you, have you pulled that from what what artists inspired you to 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 be brave enough to do that to to point and say hey that can be done man so many but one artist that i that i look at and i'm afraid of or uh, mm. you know that i'm jealous of that i wish they did not do the work that they did so i can do it first is <laughs> <laughs> Sanford Biggers man okay Sanford Biggers is genius level dude like uh you know, his quilts, his um, sculptures, his concepts, his performance. It's like uh, I, I, I get jealous when I look at his work. The other artists who gave um, gave us all um, some type of leverage or some type of sense of place for me is David Hammonds. David Hammonds, uh, he's, he's brilliant. Like he's a, he's a trickster and he plays by his own rules. So David Hammonds is, is, is that dude um, for me uh, when it comes to the art. But of course, Bearden, Jacob Lawrence, Augusta Savage, Elizabeth Catlett. Like Elizabeth Catlett's work is phenomenal. Like her, her wood, her wood piece is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. yeah, tons. This very, very uh, informed artistic background that, mm-hmm. that you have, again, many, many accolades. Are, are you from a family of artists or... Mm. Or how how did art find its way into your life? Everybody on my mom's side like has this artistic uh, incline uh, inclination, and my mom uh, was going to be a commercial advertiser, like to do drawings and things of that nature. And but she didn't finish school, and and, and her kids, all her kids, you know, my siblings, we have some type of. How many, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two brothers, and I have a, the oldest is a sister. So two brothers, one sister. I'm okay. the youngest. Okay. okay, okay. And so that being said, I was trying to figure out what can I do. Um, and, and I kind of got into art to, one, to prove that I was a part of this family. Mm. Like I really wanted to master something artistically to prove that I was a part of the family. Then, two, 
to kind of live my mom's dream a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I will admit that, you know, she, she didn't finish school. And so I wanted to do it for her in that sense. I did want to dive into uh, a specific work mm-hmm. that, that jumped out to me. Rap lyrics that you mm-hmm. transcribe mm-hmm. uh, and, and, <laughs> and just the power of 2D works. Uh, what, what was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, man. That was from a miseducation piece. Okay. Miseducation of a black American, I think. It, basically, it was me challenging everything that I was taught growing up. So the, so the title of that exhibition was Mis- The Miseducation of a Black American. I think that's the title. And so I wanted to challenge everything that I was taught about myself. It was about challenging what I learned about Nat Turner, Martin Luther King. But that particular piece you're referring to was about my rap heroes. And how, and I was challenging how untouched um, they are. Yeah. Like they, you know, for instance, uh, the one that I'm picking on is right now in my head is the one Jay Z. So Jay Z has some lyrics where he was totally disrespecting our leaders, Harry Belafonte. Okay, so that rap okay. lyric was about Harry Harry Belafonte. He 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 said some trash, and I was thinking like, who the hell do you think you are right now, talking to an elder mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. And nobody called him out on it. Like, nobody said anything about Jay-Z when, it, when, he, when he was disrespecting Harry Belafonte. And then I, I went there and I started looking at other lyrics. Um, the other one was by Drake when he was talking about growing up without a father. He was like, you know, the black American experience or something. And, hmm. and I'm like, dude, that's not... Oh, the uh, black American dad story. Yeah, some, some, something like that. So, I, so what I did was... So, so, so the point of it, those series, was to correct it like I was their teacher, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, keeping an ideal of being educated. So I wanted to proofread their lyrics. And, and, and what I did was I crossed things out and I, and I inserted what should be there. Um, so that whole thing was, yeah, just trying to tell a different story about my culture mm-hmm. because I know who's listening. It's young boys and girls who look like me and or non-binaries uh, who listen to those lyrics and feeling a certain way about it. So, um, and white bodies listening to that lyrics mm-hmm. and then thinking that's what it is mm-hmm. um, because that's all they hear and that's, you know, what they know. And, and just to sidebar real fast, there was this complex on Instagram made this post, uh, posted this this video. Uh, I think LeBron posted it too, but it was this little boy playing basketball in, in his front yard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he noticed that there was the cops coming, and so he kind of hid behind his car. And then the cops left, and then he started playing basketball again. Now, the boy didn't know he was on camera. He was just literally doing what he thought he should do to stay safe. Mm. And so a lot of people in the comment section was like, oh, don't make this a race thing. I did the same thing. I read from the cops. I didn't like the cops, too. And I'm thinking, like, dude, you hear from the cops because you thought it was cool. You know, you listen, you listen to rap music and then you ingested that or you ingested the plight of this rap of these rappers that you listen to. And then you wanted to be cool like them. And so you probably hid and ran from the cops to save the cops, too. Now, that's not the case. This little boy, like with the rest of us, we hid from the cops or we or we, we sideways from the cops or whatever you want to call it, because we, it's a life or death situation. You know, one person is doing it because they think it's cool. Another person is doing it because it's life or death. So, so that, so that, you know, going back to the lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, I felt it necessary to challenge our leaders, you know, because I felt like our rappers became our leaders. After King got shot, I felt like our leaders didn't want to step up for afraid of being killed. And so who replaced him was the people who had the mic. 
and our mm. rappers had the mic. You know, mm. Tupac became Malcolm X. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's problematic on a lot of levels. Um, so, yeah. So it was me challenging the status quo when it comes to black culture. So uh, speaking of that, I also want to ask you about something that came across on your Instagram. Sure. Uh, this uh, million miles for justice. Yeah. Uh, again, <laughs> continuing this, this this thread of uh, both, you know, your, your art mm-hmm. speaking your actual lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you, can you kind of to speak to what that is and, yeah. and how is that again, challenging the status quo? Yeah. I went to school, went to undergrad for painting, uh, video, then painting. And then I went to grad school for performance art. Um, and I did that for a lot of reasons. The, the, the one reason was to needed to get outside of myself. Like I'm introvert by nature. Okay. And so I knew I needed, if I wanted to be a successful artist, I needed to get outside myself. So I took up performance art. And in that, the, the base of all of that was conceptual art. In conceptual art, they had this movement called happenings. And that's when you use anything and everything you use the community to kind of make a point. For all my art uh, majors out there, I'm sorry. That's a poor definition of happenings. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I know that. Um, that is the poor definition of happenings. But so it's like it's like it's like reality TV. Basically, you use it for for. I give you an example. Maybe this is better. I give you an example of a happening. So uh, I think it was uh, Comprao. So Comprao was against the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. basically chemical warfare. And so to to make a point. What he did was he got a group of people and they all ate beans or whatever they gave them flashing. They gave them gas. Mm. And then they went into a cafe and just farted. <laughs> just, they, just, that's all they did. They went to the cafe and they farted. And that's a happening because it's, it's, it's a bunch of people doing the same thing for a cause. And mm. that was just... That like was a die-in? Too, yeah, like a die-in. Exactly. So my thing was I wanted to do... Uh, I, I like to run. And so... My my aim is to use that as a as a way to bring attention to something, and so this fit right in. The million miles um, is is something that I like to do, um, and it's for a cause, um, things in that nature, and it fit. Um, but I guess um, oh, I was blending two things. So I, prefer, I yeah, I was blending two things. So the the running in itself is is like a it's, like, it's art it's art it's like a it's like a it's like a uh, one dude called it um social sculpture mm. uh, you know it's it's, it's it's i'm using my body um as a way to to, to talk about something or, or 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 disturb something and so when it comes to me as a black uh, black american i know that it's read a certain way and i know that if you put it in a certain space it's read a certain way and so when it comes to running uh it is my way of claiming my space mm. uh, because a lot of times or since we've been here is is seems to be any and everybody's prerogative to put us in our space so my mm. my act of running is saying all of this is my space every city i go to every country i go to i make sure i run i ran mm. in haiti i ran in ghana i ran in malaysia like i make sure that i run the streets to say that i'm here and i'm doing this and there's nothing you can do about it most of my performances is laborious mm-hmm. because that, again, is something that's um, prevalent in black culture, you know, from slavery to the factory back to the sharecropping. Like, 
you know, we, we won our freedom through laborious acts. So my performances are laborious. And so um, the theme of this particular performance that I was in collaboration with, Heidi Bartlett, uh, one of the members of the Propelled Animals, she wanted to talk about salt. And so the way I wanted to talk about salt was through sweat. Hmm. So I drugged that thing, struggled with the four mile and point something to build up a sweat. And that was my contribution of salt to that performance. Hmm. Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up, I guess we do have a few minutes uh, left. Um, you, you did win uh, Best Outstanding Emerging Visual Artist, Outstanding 2D Artist, and Outstanding Group Show uh, in 2020. So we're actually hoping that you can share some of your picks uh, for finalists in those categories uh, for next OEAA Awards show as far as a local artist and, and what's, what's jumping out to you in, in that area. Oh, you know, is I would, I would, I would, uh, need to see a list because if not, then I'll just be shouting out my friends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. We're yeah. all, we're all yeah. in a silo. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, speaking of that, how have you, you know, not being an Omaha native, how, mm-hmm. how have you sort of acclimated to Omaha? What, what, is, what, are, your, what are your opinions about the Omaha community? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I knew I was coming to Omaha, I did a little drive through and I, and I felt really comfortable. It reminded me a lot of Detroit. And I think, and I think that's like in uh, a sense of city pride. Hmm. Uh, Detroit is all about Detroit, and when I got here, Omaha is all about Omaha. And I knew that I can fit in with that mentality, even if I don't fit in with certain groups or certain people. Mm-hmm. I knew I had that same mentality about myself, and so I knew there would be a connect in that sense. So the other thing that I like about Omaha is. Um, the, the unity that I see in, in black culture here, as far as uh, uh, groups of groups of black people, um, is not as um, um, backstabbing. And I know, and I know that's from an outside perspective mm-hmm. because anytime you get into something, you start seeing who don't like who and things in that nature. So I'm not trying to, you know, give y'all flowers or something, but I'm saying as an outsider um, and, and stepping in and looking, I see a lot of unity. So I want to encourage y'all with that, um, you know, keep it up and listen to one another. Um, there's a lot of leaders um, sprouting up right now, and I hope that there could be a lot of conversations between those black leaders uh, about strategy, about goals. Um, uh, I hope that Black Omaha can really talk to one another because one thing that I don't want to see is these leaders that and forgive me for going over, but these leaders that that sprout up from this movement and they and they stay uh, uh, separate, distinct from one another. And I'm reminded when I went to a protest in 2006 for Jenna Six. I don't know if you remember Jenna Six. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was there and um, protesting or what have you. And what happened was Al Sharpton had his group, Jesse Jackson had his group, and there was another speaker, another black speaker, and. I was thinking, why aren't we sharing the stage right now? Mm-hmm. Why can't Al Sharpton speak and then Jesse, Jesse Jackson speak and then it's on and so forth? Why Al Sharpton people got to be five blocks this way? Jesse Jackson got to be two blocks that way. Mm-hmm. So you literally had to choose which speaker you want to go to. Like it was like it was some famous, what's, what's the famous uh, music venue? Woodstock or something. I don't know. Yeah, like some festival. Yeah, some type of festival. And I'm like, what the hell? 
So I hope that Black Omaha don't do that. You know, you got Jaquin doing his thing. You got Leo doing his thing. Like, please, please talk to one another. You got David Mitchell, mm-hmm. I just learned about, mm-hmm. doing his thing. Please, please talk to one another. Strategize. You know what I'm saying? And, and let's, we're going to have a bigger fist that way. So. Yeah. Man, um, well, I, I definitely thank you for, for your great words. Um, yeah, man. I'm looking forward to, to what you have next as far as your, your next uh, projects and uh, art, art performances. Um, any any parting words? Any any last things you, you have to say? Was that is that kind of? Uh, you could you could wrap up with that. But for personal things, since I challenge um everybody else, I think I want to you know challenge myself. One okay. one thing that I that I that that I've been working on within myself is toxic masculinity. Okay. And so I made a quiet little pledge to really deal with that in, since 2017, and now I'm I'm getting better. I'm educating myself about um, trans life. And so I really, one last thing I want to say is I, I'm talking to my black men out there mainly because uh, that shit that happened to Ayana um, uh, Dior, Ayana okay. Dior, okay. that shit that happened to her and all those black, uh, all those black men who did that shit, that was fucked up. Mm-hmm. That was real fucked up. Mm-hmm. And so I think we got to, as black men, we got to get over ourselves and step outside of our black skin sometimes and realize that other people are suffering uh, injustices as well. And just because our black bodies have this weight and this heaviness to it, it doesn't justify us turning around and causing harm to uh, another human being like that. And so, um, yeah, if I had to do a hashtag, Black Trans Life Matter, man, like okay. we really have to make that a, make that a goal. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll yeah. end it there, man. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, Barber, have a good one. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the OEAA podcast. To find out more about the Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OEAA Awards. Or visit our website at oea-awards.org. Voting is now open through August 31st, so make sure your favorite artist gets the support they deserve. Make sure to tune in next time to hear from another artist about winning an OEA in the art community in Omaha, Nebraska. Everybody, we did it! That's it!